Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Slow Your Roll. We're changing up the times that we're doing this. We'll be back to Monday soon, but Thursday, July 14th for this edition today as we get to you. All-Star break is coming up. Spring uh Spring break. Training camp for football is, is coming up, too, as well. There have been some quarterback changes. I'm Dominic Lawrence. I'm alongside writer for the Yaki Wave Report, Jesse Caulfield. We'll talk Hi. about we'll talk about this stretch run by the Sox with the Yankees, Jay, uh, Yankees and Rays for the last two weeks before this All-Star break. We'll talk about somebody's out of town, by the way, in New England, but I'll put in rapid-fire news that we're all going to be very happy about. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? All right. Good for you. Someone's out of town. Yeah. Yeah, they left. They're, they're gone. We'll talk about, uh, you know, some quarterback shifting. We did this show last week and Baker got traded. And we'll talk about some really hot teams in baseball. One super surprisingly hot team. And a couple of other things. A little tennis as well from Wimbledon. But with that, I will take it over to Jesse Caulfield to get us started today. Jesse, take it away. I'm still trying to figure out who you're talking about. Oh, you'll hear it in Rapid Fire News as soon as you are okay. done. Because the Red Sox are on the road. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I care enough when Rapid Fire News starts. Yes. Anyway. So, Dom, I don't know if you know this. Yes. But uh, recently in the sports world, there have been two mm-hmm. championships. Yes. Uh, one in a little small sport called basketball. Yes. The other, um, a little known foreign sport called, I believe it's pronounced hockey. Yeah. Um, yes. They had championships apparently. And I watched mm-hmm. a little bit of it. And they were on opposite sides. Well, they, they had one theme together, and then, but they were on opposite sides of it. And that is um, the fans mm-hmm. and how I love them so. Mm. Because, you know, if you, ha- if you look at the Celtics series, mm-hmm. which is probably, you know, closer to what the, the locals here will understand, um, there was some controversy. Yes. Um, in Boston, about how the fans were acting, what they were saying, mm. and you know, Draymond complaining. I mean, mostly it was Clay Thompson. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. specifically the quote. Draymond's not really a complainer like that. I mean, he still did though. Eh. So anyway, but there was some complaints again. I don't remember specifically what was said, but like that is that's kind of part of the game. Mm. Crowds, but then on the opposite end, you have the Stanley Cup Finals, which. Uh, had a moment, I believe it was game th- two or three. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was definitely game two mm. because it was the blowout game where, and it was Avalanche at home and it was a blowout because there was a moment where when it came back to the commercial, it was how going on during the commercial break if you were in the crowd, which I was not. That was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but... They played, and I don't even, this, all right, this is not sports, but it's a controversial take, so you can't hate me for it because it's not sports. But, like, Blink-182 sucks. Um, but they have that one song, all the small things. Yeah. They played that uh, for the Stanley Cup run for the Avalanche. And when it came back from commercials, they were still playing it. But the, the, the game started, so they had to cut the music. Crowd didn't give a damn. They kept singing. They went for a whole nother verse while the game went for a minute. And it was moments like that where this kind of, I don't know, the inception of this started. Mm-hmm. Because I think back to <clears throat> the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. Now we're rolling it back. Mm-hmm. Going back in time. Because... Uh, S- you know, sports wasn't the same without the crowds. It wasn't. However, at the same time, I was a little excited to see sports without a crowd. 
There was those. There was that game in Baltimore mm-hmm. against the White Sox in like 2016 or something, yes. where there was a riot going on. So they played the game with no fans, yeah. and it was kind of gimmicky. It was cool and whatnot. It was nice to hear the sounds of the game. So that's what I was a little excited for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs with no sound. It was cool. You hear all the hits. You hear the uh, ice getting carved up. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then in baseball, the crack of the bat and all that mm-hmm. ball hitting leather. Um, and like I said, it was really cool. But then the World Series came around that year, mm-hmm. and they allowed fans in. Very limited capacity. It was in uh, Texas, which is a huge stadium, and I think it was like 25% capacity. It might have been a little more than that, maybe like a third. Mm-hmm. Um, but to hear the roar of a crowd for the first time in months, like it literally like brought a tear to my eye. Because that was a great World Series, I think. It was very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really it made me appreciate what crowds are. And how like the reason I bring this up is because... I started with the the basketball part and how like the crowd was taunting the players. I mean that's Boston sports. Those are Boston fans. We're very passionate. And Boston started, by the way, in this when they were taunting Kyrie Irving at the beginning of the playoffs. And we've been doing this for decades. Yes, we're, we're probably the original fans to just be obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. There, there's this whole thing in football. The twelfth man. Mm. Seattle loves it. You know, the fan is a part of the game. And there's like those people. Those a-holes out there. If you're if you say this to someone, I think you're a loser. You're just a straight loser. Like, why do you say us when you refer to the team? You're not on the team. You're damn right I'm on the team. <laughs> I am playing the part of fan. We have a very important role. Like, we're there to disrupt, we are there to hype, we are there to cheer, and it's hugely important. <laughs> All the money comes from us. I don't know if you know that. So uh, Well, a lot of it comes from TV, but yeah. Well, like we still the watch TV the TV. Only, the TV only gives them that money because yes, we watch the TV. Mm. But uh, the point is here: like crowds are under—I don't want to say underappreciated, but like they are. Huge. I don't even think that you'd go underappreciated here. I would say they're starting to get uh, what would be the word demonized a little bit as athletes are getting softer and softer. Uh, sure, it was stuff like that. But I'm just saying, like the. The crowd is a part of this. Oh, yeah. And there was... What year was this? 2013, because the, the Bruins were in the middle of a Stanley Cup run in themselves at the time. That's how I remember it. I was at Fenway. They were playing the... Um, I can't say it anymore. It was the Cleveland... Oh, it was Indians? <laughs> Please don't report me for that. Um, it was a Cleveland Indians. And there was a man in right field. His name was Drew Stubbs. And I'm not a famous player, nothing really special, but I was sitting in right field, and as a fan, I gave that man hell just every couple seconds. If you're, imagine you're in right field at Fenway Park. It's kind of a cold, rainy day. It's not that crowded. And just every couple seconds, all you hear is, hey, Stubbs, and then some rigmarole about how your family doesn't love you and your wife was going to leave you and whatnot. Um, because I'm ruthless. I literally looked up his parents' name. I don't remember his parents' name, but I said, like, Judas doesn't love you or something like that. Um, he looked over at me. He definitely heard me because he looked over at me several times. But the point here is, A, that was fun. And B, that's just part of the game, man. This is the crowd. The crowd is a part of the environment. Like when you go to catch a ball near the stands and you got to reach in, you got to deal with some crowd. If you're going to go to enemy territory and you're going to talk some smack, you better believe you're going to get some talk smacked. Smack talked back. That was a tongue twister. Sorry. Uh, from the faithful that is the crowd. And I love it so. I think we need more of this because that day where I was taunting Drew Stubbs relentlessly, that was one of the best games I've ever been to. Not even because the game was that great, just because I had that much fun. Being that guy 
is so much fun. Being obnoxious fans, you don't have to go to that absurd with it, but to just be... There's such thing as going too far. But I will give you this. Well, yeah, like that it, guy that shouted the N-word at Carl Crawford. Yeah. And like those people that yell at Tory Hunter all the time, seemingly, every yes. time he comes here. Um, yeah, that's obviously too far. But I'm just saying like too... But also I'm over the um, the softness, it seems, of the athletes now. Like Kyrie Irving bitching that's about the soft. crowd and playing the victim. Clay, or your shit should really be nicer. Like, come on, man. No. You gotta, you, you gotta just deal with it. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. Get the hell over it. Also, by the way, don't act like the athletes don't say some pretty awful things to each other sometimes. Yeah. On the uh, on the court and on the gridiron, by the way. Football yeah. football's famous for that. Brady will say some serious smack talk, too. Yeah. So it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and the fact that you will want to internalize or get upset about what 40,000 plus random fans who have been drinking all day <laughs> are saying or doing that's that's a weak spirit bro it's yeah a, man. It's, it's a weak spirit and these are the people that partly pay your salary uh, that too as well let them be hype by the way there was a reason the nba bubble had some of the weirdest craziest playoffs as far as like teams that were, young teams did really well and a bunch of teams you didn't think were gonna win ended up winning and, and stuff like that part of that was no crowds uh, probably, that mean, was a huge part of it. It plays some role because the crowds, subtly. crowds, crowds can really, when momentum is going one way and things are going wrong, they can really play a factor and intimidate, especially the younger teams and the younger players. No, they can hype you up too if you're if you're down and you're looking for anything to pick your team up, and you mm-hmm. see in the crowd, crowd got hype about something small. It's like all right, build on that. Yeah, but exactly. also like you see it in football, mm-hmm. like. Away team's trying to call a play. The quarterback's got his hand over his ears. Like, he's just trying to communicate what the play is to uh, his wide receivers. Like, that's that all matters. That all adds up. There's a reason why there's a huge fine in sports for pumping in crowd noise. Because it adds up. It matters. Yes, it does. It 100% does. And uh, We matter. It is great to hear and see the differences since post-pandemic where we got a, uh, a feel of how it was without crowds. Yeah. Right, I think we're, we're probably good on this now, right? Yeah. Let's turn it over. Two rapid-fire news before we move on. Jesse, I'll give you the information right away. Someone I has forgot. finally <laughs> been shipped out of town in New England. The Patriots traded Nikhil Harry to oh. the Bears for a 2024 seventh-round pick. Happy trails, Nikhil Harry. Don't let the door hit you uh, on the way out. I forgot about that already. Thank God he's finally gone. I'm disappointed we never put the, the countdown clock in. But it didn't happen during the season, and we all thought it happened during the season. <laughs> But hell yeah, he's finally out of town, thank God. Those suckers, (laughs) sucker bears. Um, Seventh round pick, you overpaid. You overpaid. Uh, Even if it's a seven round pick two years from now still. Could have gave Bill a nice firm handshake. The NFL executives came out with uh, their quarterback rankings and lists for the upcoming season, and Lamar Jackson was left off it for the top ten quarterbacks in the league. I know. Definitely causing I, some controversy. I'd probably leave him off mine, too. Oh, I would totally leave him off mine as well. But, I mean, hey, he is a reigning MVP from just a few years ago. I mean, it's Tua. Um, <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> Carson Wentz. <laughs> cousins. Oh, God, yeah, Kirk Cousins. Um, By the way, do you know who has... Zach Wilson. Do you know who has the most fourth quarter comeback since I think it was 2015? Ben Roethlisberger. Derek Carr. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring it way Jeff, back. Just saying. 
All right. Way back to the Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers debate. So for that list, the top three consisted of Aaron Rodgers, number one, Patrick Mahomes, number two, and Josh Allen, number three. Uh, I think we all know that well, I did the see two people list. on this show do not agree with who is number one, but that's neither here right. nor there. Tom Allen. Brady was number four. It's Josh Allen. He might be. He might be. <laughs> also, in baseball, there's a couple of teams with a 10-game winning streaks going. The Seattle Mariners and a doubleheader took down Washington 6-4 to four and 2-1 to one to extend their winning streak to 10 games. And the Baltimore Orioles. Who the hell is that? The worst team in baseball for, like, what, three years now are above 500. Took yeah. down the Chicago Cubs 7-1 to one yesterday to up their win streak to 10 games. So, surprising. Mm. Surprising. Mm. You're not shocked about the Mariners because you said a couple of weeks ago that they were going to play better and built to last. They're going to pass. But Baltimore, out of nowhere with this. We're going to talk about the Orioles today. Also, oh, Trevor, Story, spoil it. Trevor Story and Matt Strom, both negative on x-rays on their wrists after leaving the game on Tuesday, Story was hit by a pitch. Strom was hit by a ground ball off his wrist. So it looks like maybe the Sox will dodge a major bullet there. There will be more um, probably coming out later today on exactly when those two are expected back. Also, LeBron James got himself in some some controversy with some comments on uh, Brittany Griner in which he said, why would Griner want to come back to the U.S. after this? I'm sure it's better than a prison cell. Yeah, it's a lot better than Russia, I'll tell you that. But whatever. Her money's here. <laughs> that too. But whatever, LeBron. I think he deleted the tweet eventually, too. Mm. Of course. Because no, he, he knew he made some stupid comment. You cannot truly delete anything from the internet. That is true. And finally, we'll take us into our next segment. Charlie Montoya, the manager for the Toronto Blue Jays. Been a bit of a disappointing year so far. He was fired after three and a half seasons as the manager of Toronto. And with that, takes us to our next segment, which is the firing of Charlie Montoya. And I'll say this. So the Blue Jays have absolutely had a really disappointing season so far, though they still find themselves in the playoff race with the last wild card spot. Um, at the time of Montoya's firing, they had lost nine of their last 11. Charlie Montoya finishes with a record of 236, 236 after three and a half seasons. And John Schneider will take over as the manager. Um, not that it's all Montoya's fault, but I actually agree with this move by Toronto. And I'll say this. What has Charlie Montoya built up in equity at all to make you think that he should get the benefit of that? I think largely they were a team that should have been in the playoffs last year and they didn't make the playoffs. Now, I understand the start of the year, they had the issue with where they're playing games and they were super young. But at the end of the day, you had a clearly playoff roster that didn't make the playoffs last year. Now you come into this season, the favorites to win the division. And so far you have really, really underperformed. Um, and again, it's not all Montoya's fault. It's not his fault that Barrios was terrible for the first two months. I get that. But it seems like an inability to right the ship. Uh, there was a thing with Vladdy disagreeing with uh, Charlie on um, calling for a review a couple of days ago. Clearly seeming like maybe they had lost some faith in Charlie's leadership. So, and you know, I, I, I've looked this up. There was a Jays column writer saying that for years now he's mismanaged the bullpen. Especially at the start of season, sort of burning guys out. Um, so I agree with this move. Uh, you had to do something to try and salvage this season. Montoya clearly has not done anything to make you think that firing him is going to make things worse. Maybe it won't make it better, 
but doubt that it will make it worse. And you need to find some way to fix this season. The Philadelphia Phillies did this with firing Joe Girardi. They were 22-29 and 29 when Girardi was fired. They are now at 46-42. and 42, So clearly, um, they have righted the ship a little bit. And sometimes, even if they don't hate the manager, when you're just stuck in the doldrums and you're underperforming, a big change to shake things up and a new voice in the clubhouse sometimes can make that difference, especially now with the All-Star break coming up. It gives the idea of a fresh start for all the players, especially those underperforming. I do like this move for Toronto. I don't know what it will do in the long run. I still am hitching my wagon to the Blue Jays because I just love this roster so much, especially offensively. Teoscar Hernandez starting to hit again as he's gotten healthier. Um, and also Jose Barrios, after his terrible start, at least in his last three starts, 3-0 and with a 3.18 ERA. They've won the last two games now. So they can get a little bit of positive momentum going into the All-Star break and fresh start for the second half. A new manager, new voice in the clubhouse. I do think this could make a change for Toronto. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, this was definitely surprising. Oh, yes, it was surprising. Very surprising. Um, you know, normally a team in a playoff spot uh, and one with the hype. I mean, I guess, you know, what the hype is probably what really uh, is why you Maybe you don't have to pull the trigger, but why it came down to that? Because mm-hmm. everyone, everyone that knows anything about baseball feels this team is underperforming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of them did have rocky starts. Bo Bichette was bad out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Chapman, Chapman still not really. Chapman is, was brutal and still hasn't done much. But um, so I, I get it. Like I said, it's still surprising. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just. I never heard any problems about him. Now, now that this has happened, you know, it's, oh, you look into it. It's like, oh, okay, I guess there was things under the cracks, like the uh, that whole thing with Vlad about the mm-hmm. review and whatnot. Um, and this could just be a situation of he's, you know, maybe a good a locker room guy here and there because, like, he, he's dealt with a young team, mm-hmm. which can be very, especially in today's baseball, mm-hmm. it's a lot of can be a lot of big personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and he juggled that well. It just seems he's not a game manager. Mm. Um, and, you know, eventually these things break down. It's like, all right, he can be as good yeah, with the players as that, they can be, but eventually the things, they get sick of it. That's one of the things that Jay's writer talked about was he was not a fan of a lot of Montoya's in-game decision-making. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and no matter what, like as good as you are maybe in the clubhouse with the relationship with your players, if you're just bad at in-game management, like eventually they're just going to get, like, sick you it's like listen man i like you but like you're holding us back type mm-hmm. of thing yes and maybe it's not quite that maybe it's just he's not quite the right guy for this team um but the jays f- certainly needed that something needed to happen it wasn't going to happen on the field so something in the clubhouse to shake it up get these players thinking get them feeling something new get a new yeah new perspective in there mm-hmm. because yeah yeah like the season's halfway over and like at this point, we know who's going to be pretty good. We know who's really good. We know who sucks. And if you're just floating in the middle, um, like, you can go either way, and they've, they've made a choice. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this right now. We're not going to try and limp along. We're not going to try and patch up what's uh, wrong right now. We're just going to rip it off and say, try again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, I don't know what, what equity Montoya had brought into the building in there that makes you think that things can get worse because he fired him. Again, maybe it won't get better, but I don't think what 
you can really look back at his three and a half year tenure and think that Charlie has done anything to make you think that this is now going to go south. Well, they're, I think they're just in a position when, that they're willing to risk that. Yeah. It's like, all right, it probably won't get worse. But if it does, all right, I just we kind of tripped over ourselves. I think it's some... a low risk of it really being any worse. But also, like, you got a young team. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't work out this year, it's like, all right, mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. Sure, that's disappointing. We wasted this year because we were supposed to be mm-hmm. the guys. But mm-hmm. What do you think about Toronto moving forward here? I'm still hitching my wagon. To them. I do think... It's a bad start. You worried about that? It happens. That you're, AL East bet? You're still on a play. Oh, no, no, no. I'm over the AL East bet. Okay. No, no, no. I, I've, I've completely accepted the fact that I have lost $200 to my coworker. <laughs> that Toronto is not winning the division. <laughs> Plus some money to Vegas as well. Um, so, no, I'm resigned to that. But I do have money on them for the pennant. Mm. So as long as they make the playoffs, I can still make some money off this. Mm. But I just still think Barrios was just awful for so long. Now we start to get it together. There's no way I, he should, again, as things average out, right? He should pitch really, really well for a good extended period of time now to go with Alex Manoa, who has been one of the best pitchers in the American League. The offense is starting to hit a little bit more now to as T. Oscar's getting healthy. And as I said, now they get a fresh start. I really like this team moving forward. I still think that they're going to make a major, major push here. Mm. But what do you think? Have your opinions change you think on this there is the thing where kikuchi didn't pitch well and ryu now is not healthy so they clearly have some problems but sure i mean i feel like on paper this team is like they're gonna be there right obviously right on paper Mm -hmm. but um you know maybe you know if it's a montoya couldn't get these people to gel maybe this could be a situation where it isn't the right people together you know these are clearly good players like i think boba a great player i think Springer is a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that other pitcher they got? They brought Gosman? Yeah, Kevin Gosman, who has um, been well. Um, very well. So, like, the, these are all good players, and, like, the idea is they should play well together, but maybe it's just could possibly be not the group of guys. This will really tell what the real problem lies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this, yeah, you, you mentioned the Phillies. Like, this could really be like, all right, let's reevaluate ourselves. Let's try something new, and now we're going to take off because we're, we were playing the wrong game with what we had. Mm-hmm. Um it could be something like that. So, like I, like I said, I don't think, like, the Jays should be there. Mm-hmm. Everything I look at with this team, like, on paper, like, you guys should be there. So, I think they'll be fine. They'll still be a good team. Mm. It's just, you know, the, the, the question raises, like, are you going to find the right man for the job now? Mm. Um, and you seem to think, like, well, this team's too good to, like, just mm-hmm. fade into obscurity. And, yes. But, like, it, what was it, nine of their last 11 they lost? So. Yeah, they did. Uh, anything is possible. It is. It is. But they have one two straight now, at least. And we can get into this, uh, you know, one and all star break with 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 some you know some nice momentum. But mm. all right, I get you. I get you. All right. So with that, we are going to take a quick break before we get into our next topic, talking Baker Mayfield and the Carolina trade. Now that we have a whole week to sit on it, you know, didn't happen in just five minutes as we're entering the show last time. So stick with us, guys.
and we are back to talk a little hockey. Dom forgot. <laughs> Dom's getting a little ahead of himself. He loves talking about Baker Mayfield. He loves talking about the Carolina Panthers. We'll get there, Dom. We'll get there. Don't worry. But first, we need to talk a little hockey because eh, there's just been a little news about the Bruins recently. I mean, uh, in hockey, just the hockey world, free agency started two days ago yesterday i don't remember exactly it all blurs together when it starts um but per usual the bruins did nothing Mm. of like real value however they did some small things the first thing they did they made a trade they traded eric who i liked but they traded him for pavel zaka that he went for um of the uh, devils new jersey devils and this is a move that, like, is insignificant. I feel like you gave up the better player. It was a one-for-one trade. But this makes move uh, room on the roster for a man named David Krejci, who was seen. I tweeted about it. Uh, and a whole bunch of Europeans liked my tweet for some reason. It was really weird. But I, there was a picture of David Krejci at the Sox game on Sunday. Mm. I tweeted that picture. And that's because he's in town. He is... Just talking with the Bruins, they confirmed. Sweeney came out and confirmed, said we are in discussion with both Patrice Bergeron, who apparently says he does want to come back. So, thumbs up there. Step one, good. And then David Krejci is in talks to become a Boston Bruin once again. So, that's your one-two center. Hey. Uh, but this does raise the question of, like, oh, wow, was Cassidy really a problem in this locker room? Mm. And that does raise another question of what is the real potential of this team then? Because it's going from one firing of a coach to another and talking about a team that is underperforming, you wonder when a team fires its coach and all the all the players seemingly, even the ones that weren't here anymore, being wanting to play for them again, it makes you ask questions about like, what was the stability level in the locker room? New York City is calling me right now. Don't have time for that. Um, <laughs> but... Like I said, it makes me ask questions about, like, what is the real potential of this team? Because I don't know. When they fired Claude Julien and you got Bruce Cassidy, the team got better. But then, seemingly, everyone disliked Bruce Cassidy. So I don't know about this team. Does that leave the window open? I don't know. Am I hyping myself up for eventual disappointment? Probably. I think you are, yeah. But I am excited. Aren't they all kind of old by now? Uh, Brad Marchand's old. Patrice is 37. What's Krejci? 35. Kind of all sounds kind of old. They are old. That's not the point. These old men. Well, here's the thing. Like, they're getting... Charlie McAvoy's young. The, sure. the, the defense core is young, which is also their problem because they freaking suck. Um, except McAvoy. He's great. Um, the goalies are young now. Mm. Tuca's not there anymore. Making True. them old. So... Yeah. Oh, the point here is I'm just very excited because I love David Krejci. There is good news going on with the Bruins, even mm. though People it's very, not going to matter because yeah. this is the same old boys club I've been complaining about. So, but we're going to get, we might get David Krejci back. Would Krejci have made the difference last year? Yes. Do you think they beat Carolina? No. So how does but he you make look, a difference? But you look better in game seven. Well, I think... I I don't think you go to Carolina if you have gave. Oh, okay, okay. You because don't you don't play Carolina. You probably have a better seed. Yes, because I like I said I liked Arakawa. I think he really ended up gelling with Hall and Pasternak on his side, but he's not a good faceoff man, and he doesn't have this the passing skills that David Krejci has. Krejci can dish to anybody. 
Like you watch, like uh, it was, I don't know, whatever the World Cup crap they do in hockey. There's, there's too many international tournaments. I can't follow them all. But David Krejci and David Posnark played on the Czech team together, and it was hilarious. Like it was hilarious what they would do to these goalies, mm. because David Krejci can dish it out like there ain't no, like it ain't no thing. Okay. So, seeing, I would love to see, and I said it, I had a rant about it when they finally moved Posnark off the line of with Bergeron and Marshawn and put him with Hall and Howla. I was like, where was that when David Krejci was here? Because that would have been an incredible line. Mm. Better than with Howla. Even though Howla's faster than Krejci, but like Hall and Pasternak are just so fast. You don't need three really fast guys, as long as the third one isn't Chara slow. Yeah. So, anyway, that's your Bruins talk. All right. All right. Jesse's, <laughs> Jesse's starting to get himself hyped up. We'll see. We'll see. All right, moving on to the big news that happened last week as we were ending the show. Baker Mayfield ended up being traded to the Carolina Panthers for a fifth-round pick. Uh, Coming out of Carolina, there will be an open quarterback competition for the starting job next year, considering Baker did get there so late, won't know the playbook, and Sam Darnold. They do actually have more invested in, considering what they gave up for him, and he doesn't know the playbook. So I know you're rolling in our eyes. I do think it's a real quarterback competition, though I'm pretty confident Baker will win out. You're right. He knows the routes he's going to overthrow better than Baker. <laughs> oh, Donald? Yes. Or underthrow. Sure. <laughs> but anyway, so I want to get into this, though. He just so, knows where he ain't throwing it. <laughs> no, I don't think there's a ton of Baker Mayfield defenders left, but I still see some, especially on Twitter. Hi. What, what, you, I you, defend him. I defend him a little bit, but that doesn't mean I think he's about to be a franchise quarterback now. So, no, I just defend him that, like, guys, he's not trash. No, he's not trash. So it was unfair to talk about a lot of last year because he was playing hurt. Now, he probably shouldn't have been playing. I feel like that's why you had Case Keenum on the roster, was that if your quarterback is hurt, we have a competent quarterback to play for a few weeks until he's healthy. So I don't know why Cleveland thought it would be a smart idea to roll with him with a torn labrum for as long as they did. However, if we're being nice about this, we take Baker's best season his one season with Kevin Stefanski the first season he completed 62% of his passes 28 touchdowns 8 picks 3,563 yards that is 223 yards per game now pretty nice touchdown interception ratio not a lot of touchdowns though not a lot of production well, they're a good Six, running team 62% completion percentage it's pretty good it's about average though and only 223 yards per game it's a very average quarterback. It's a good running team, though. Yes, but why are they a running team? Now, this is Baker Mayfield <laughs> with a good offensive coach that there wasn't a lot of film on yet, at least as a head coach, right? Maybe the best offensive line in football that season. And two great running backs, Jarvis Landry and OBJ. 26 touchdowns, 8 picks, 223 yards per game. That's the ceiling. Is that a franchise quarterback? I don't think so. Because that's the best he can do under perfect, perfect scenarios. This, to me, is the third year in a row of Carolina putting a Band-Aid on the quarterback situation. Now, I get maybe why they did it. Baker probably is good for maybe, what, an extra two wins this season, you would think? Maybe. Um, And it's a bad division. So they think if they are just competent at the quarterback position, they actually may have a good season and make a push. Now, if you like Matt Rule in that building and for some reason you want to keep him, I like Matt Rule, but it seemed like the owner was thinking maybe they were going to fire him. If for some reason they feel like they want to save Matt Rule's job, then I get doing this. 
But I don't really know if I like the move itself, and I don't really know what it changes. And I don't think Baker has any chance of salvaging his career and becoming a franchise quarterback and worth a number one pick. But be that as it may, we'll see how it goes in Carolina. Jesse? Mm. I mean, to be honest, I don't have much to add to that. Okay. Because, I mean, yeah, like, I'm a Baker defender, I guess you could call me, mm. because he's not as bad as everyone wants him to be. He's mm. not Johnny Football bad. No, obviously but like, not. And you say, like, oh, why are they a running team? And sure, like, generally, if you have a gunslinger, you're always going to build around that. Mm-hmm. But when you have guys like Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, like, why would you not? And sure, if you have a better quarterback, you'd like to mix it up more, disguise mm. and whatnot. But do you remember that sixth Super Bowl with Tom Brady? Oh, yeah. They ran that ball all the time. They did. They had the greatest quarterback of all time. That was one That was one game, one game plan. No, they ran the ball all the, that whole season. Uh, Sony that, Michelle show. He that, had four, he, what was it? Four touchdowns in the division round. Oh, that's true. Three touchdowns in the championship. Okay, but but they also had terrible, terrible perimeter weapons and an aging quarterback. Baker had OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper. They did not have an aging quarterback. And look a sensational him, offensive line. Look at him still go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at the time, they thought an aging quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did too, actually. So, I, I don't know if that's a fair comparison, bro. I'm just saying. Worst perimeter weapons. Some, sometimes. Some of the worst perimeter weapons. I still had Edelman. And Edelman was and 50, pretty beat up by then. He, he won Super Bowl MVP. He did, but he was still and pretty then beat a, up by then. dead and dying Gronk. Yeah, but he was still pretty beat up by then. Who else was on that team? Chris uh, Hogan. Oh, come on. Stop and it. Danny Amendola. Are they even in the league Actually, anymore? I think Danny Amendola had the most reception yards in a Super Bowl ever. That it was the Eagles Super Bowl. You feel like you're proving my point. <laughs> it was the Eagles Super Bowl. When no one played any defense at all. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, if you don't have much to add, let's move on to the next one, which I know. Oh, we've just talked Baker so many times. No, I know. That's probably the last we'll talk about it. But listen. I doubt it. Here's the next <laughs> Here's the next thing. All right. So one quarterback situation. To another one. From Dom's first favorite team in quarterback to Dom's second favorite team in quarterback. I, they, they're not my favorite at all. They're just, they're, they're something right. to talk about. You so, love the Rams. And up. Stafford. <laughs> shut up. All right, so training camp is what? About a week and a half away right now for the 49ers, and they still have Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. I don't think that's good. I don't think you could do that. I think it's time to just turn it over to Trey Lance. But that begs the question, where is Jimmy G going to go? And, you know, ESPN reporter Jeremy Fowler was reporting that there was interest from the Seattle Seahawks uh, to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, this makes total sense. They don't have a quarterback anymore, blah, blah, blah. I think this makes absolutely no sense. I think it's a stupid, stupid move if the Seahawks do this. Let's take the most injury-prone quarterback in the NFL who's not mobile at all, stick him behind a terrible offensive line that Russell Wilson was complaining about for like the last five years, and that's just going to go completely fine. They'll kill Jimmy G, I feel like, within six weeks. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, in general, I just don't get it. Seattle, whether you want to admit it or not, Pete Carroll is 70, maybe he's getting senile, I have no idea. You're in a rebuild. You are in 
a rebuild. You can get whatever quarterback you wanted right now, and you're still not going to be that great of a team. You're not. You're clearly not going to get a quarterback that's going to make that big of a difference. I like Garoppolo. He's a decent starter. He's a B, B B-minus starting quarterback. This is a terrible roster. It's rebuilding. There's not a lot of hope here. Just tank. I'm not all for tanking all the time, but you traded your key franchise quarterback away with all those picks and all that. You clearly were saying we're rebuilding. Just rebuild. There's some great quarterbacks in the draft next year. You clearly will be one of the worst teams in the NFL who will have a great, great pick, in my opinion. I don't see any reason why they won't be have a top five pick. And there's three quarterbacks that are very, very good uh, prospects. Why don't you just use this time to tank, get a new quarterback, start over. You have plenty of picks after the Wilson deal and start building things around that quarterback. If you want to keep DK Metcalf and Lockett, great. You'll have some weapons for the new guy when he comes in. But bringing him Jimmy Garoppolo me makes absolutely no sense. As I've said, not just the rebuilding thing, but also terrible offensive line, the most injury-prone quarterback in the NFL. Wow, that's, that's just a great recipe right there. Absolutely stupid if Seattle does this. I don't get it at all. Um, I don't think he's moving because I'll give you several reasons. Okay. Because A, the uh, San Francisco 49ers are incapable of making a move. Mm-hmm. They have Debo... Is that hasn't moved? Mm-hmm. Hasn't done anything. Mm. They've said they wanted to move Jimmy G for feels like years now. Mm. Yeah, he hasn't moved. Also, you who always say no one is ever going to trade in division, yeah, now say that they are talking. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. You don't think so? And yes, this Fowler fellow, whatever that I don't know. I didn't see it, but like I haven't heard anything from Seattle. Yeah. I've heard things about like from San Fran about like you know possibly wanting to move Jimmy. That all quieted down a lot when all those Trey Lance stuff was just like oh crap, like, yeah, he ain't it. Um, and again, I've heard nothing good about Trey Lance since, so I don't think they can move Jimmy G. If you want to do anything this season, I think you. Can. I don't think you can move Jimmy G. Okay. And also, I mean, you're right. Seattle should just tank. Um, but like. I, I, I don't I, like I said I don't really I don't really see anything other than I guess this source of this Fowler dude, but like I don't see anything going anywhere. But also like, if this is anything, maybe this is just like, hey fans, we're trying, right? We're, we're gonna get someone maybe. else like Drew Locke come to the game. <laughs> maybe that could be the that but, could be it. That's but, the only tangible thing I can think of that actually makes sense. Because if this trade happens, I think it's a terrible, terrible decision by the Seahawks. Because why would San Fran do it? Other than dumping Jimmy G, but I don't think they should, and I don't think they think they should anymore. Um, because you have to find out if Lance is the guy or not. You can do that with Jimmy G standing there. And I think, and I think they're done with Garoppolo. Well, yeah, but that begs the question: Is that really a fair chance for Trey? Can Trey yeah. can can Trey really win the locker room over and have a fair chance if Garoppolo's in the building? Garoppolo is one deep throw away from winning a Super Bowl. He's a super likable guy. Every locker room likes him. The Did guys, they? the guys like Patriots him. Patriots didn't like him, and he's won a lot of games. Patriots locker room didn't like him since when? You didn't see that video where Martellus Bennett called him a bitch? Oh, I didn't see that. He was on the wait. Mo- who did Martellus Bennett? Wow. Well, no, he was on Jason and uh, Devin McCourty's podcast, and they were talking about that season where they won the Super Bowl against Atlanta, and they were talking about their losses. He goes, "Oh, one was against Seattle, which was just a great game, which it was that year, and then one was," and he said 
the Buffalo loss because just because Jimmy G was being a bitch. Uh, and then they all start laughing and whatnot, and he's just like, oh, he's a pussy and all this stuff. Well, maybe that's just because everyone was so pro-Brady and Bell was kind of like a little bit starting to be But does San Fran like him G. so much? They seem to. I know the front office definitely does. Yeah, I don't think the front office loves him. The front office is frustrated with him because he can't stay healthy. If you're mad at someone because their body won't hold up. Oh, they're not like mad at them personally, but you know what I mean. Fix your back. They're clearly not that into him because of that. Mm. I think the locker room likes them though. They seem I don't to. Know. There was there was there was some chirping about when they drafted Lance that there were people in the San Francisco locker room that weren't happy about that because they like Jimmy hmm. and they've won a lot of games with Jimmy. So I don't think you can really fairly turn it over to Trey Lance and saying that he's getting a fair fair chance if you have Jimmy G waiting in the wings on the sidelines, who's still going to have a lot of people in his corner and not in Trey Lance's corner. And clearly, anytime Trey struggles, the fans are going to be chanting for Jimmy G. So, no, I don't think you can do that. You're either turning the reins over to Trey Lance this year or you're not. Uh, I mean, I'm someone who, and I've said this many times, like, I don't like just throwing rookie, or, I mean, he's not a rookie anymore, clearly. But, like, mm. uh, young quarterbacks just out there, I always like to have mm. generally a veteran presence to be, like, the guide. A veteran who's not a threat as a starter. Is Jimmy G that much of a threat as a starter? Yeah, they've I won a lot of games with him, and they don't win a lot of games without him. They have won games in which he was he's behind He's one deep throw center. away from winning a Super Bowl. But he's impo- it's not possible for him to make that throw. And, uh, he just beat Aaron Rodgers Bro, in the playoffs. That one Super Bowl he made, Listen, I'm not, pitches, I'm, I'm they not here. ran their whole way there. He had here, nothing to do I'm with it. I'm not here debating about whether he is or isn't. I'm just saying. You're right. He's great at giving the ball the, to someone that's When you've really been good. on the team and you've won a lot of games with him, your loyalty is likely to be with Jimmy and not with somebody else. Yes, yeah, so when they actually start really winning, really winning, let's assume Trey Lance can do that. Listen, I'm not, again, I'm not making this argument. I thought drafting Trey Lance made sense. Trey adds another development I'm to your team. I'm not arguing whether it can, made sense or not at all. I know, but, I, but I'm, I'm saying because saying, I doubt Jimmy G. But I'm just saying, if you're in that locker room, all right, you've won a lot of games with Jimmy G. You've been to an NFC championship with Jimmy G. You were on the verge of winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. If you had a better quarterback, you would. Probably, but that doesn't mean that everyone always sees it that way. And Mm. clearly they'd see it that way maybe if you brought in a guaranteed guy that everyone's like, oh, he's amazing. But when you're turning it over to just some kid, a lot of people would be like, "Mm, I'd rather win games now. And Jimmy gives me a better chance, I feel, because I've seen it and lived it, than whatever kid that you just drafted out of North Dakota State. Mm. I mean, maybe. Yeah. But, like, I don't really think Debo cares. I think Debo cares about money. Oh, yeah, Debo, definitely. Like, I don't think Travis Kelsey, or Travis Kelsey, Mm. uh, George Kittle cares all that much. Mm. He just, just wants to be healthy himself. I think plenty of people care. And it matters to plenty of them. Mm. But here's the other one. Jimmy G, if he goes to Cleveland, which I haven't really heard a lot of, but it just seems like it makes sense. I don't think it because does. Because if Deshaun Watson is suspended the whole year, can you really waste another season yeah. with a roster this good? I get going after Jimmy G just because, because Baker got a fifth-round pick. Jimmy G's probably going to get about a fifth-round pick because he's hurt all the time. But you are a running team. That's what San Francisco did. The model for what San Francisco did with Jimmy G is the same model that Cleveland kind of plays by and can do. I feel like Jimmy G will fit very, very quickly 
and that Cleveland, he can win a lot of games and get them to a playoff spot. How are you going to do that when the Browns are paying over half of Baker Mayfield's salary? That is true. $10.5 million. I don't know what the cap situation is, but there's <laughs> always a way to work things out. Panthers are playing him, paying him $5 million. That's funny. That's less, <laughs> that's less than double. I know. So uh, like clearly and, San Francisco and Jimmy G isn't cheap either. San Francisco actually by quarterback standards now he's kind of cheap. I guess by now. And only isn't there only a year left on his deal? Maybe. You can always work it out too where you pay him a little bit more down the road or maybe if San Francisco really wants to give up then maybe San Fran can pay some of it. Maybe you'll give him a fourth round pick instead of a fifth. Jimmy would be worth a decent amount if he didn't get hurt all the time, but because he's hurt and so you just can't mm-hmm. count on him. He's worth about the same as what Baker was worth now in the market. I mean, he's never been able to make a throw. Who? He's like, he reminds me a lot of Baker, Jimmy G. Like, he's serviceable, but mm. like, if you need him to make a perfect throw, like, I think he's, he's never li- going to make it. I think he's a little bit better than Baker. A lot of it just because of personality. He doesn't rub people maybe. the wrong way sometimes. Well, maybe, but that's not really a skill thing. Yeah, but it matters in the overall thing, especially at the quarterback position, it does. He's he's not gonna bring a lot of extra attention that doesn't need to be brought to your team, whereas Baker does. Oh uh, sure. So, but Baker was always gonna do that anyway, even if he wasn't himself toxic, just mm. because he was a number one pick. And I guess, you know, no, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. He was a star. In but college. I do think I do think they are pretty comparable at this point, like skill wise. But you, why why do you think it makes no sense for Cleveland? No, you already sold your soul. You already gave away half your assets. Like. And it's like, yeah, you won't be that expensive, but like, you can't give up more. You're gonna just just accept the fact so that maybe this year you're not gonna be good. You sold your soul and wait next year for Deshaun. For the most part, yeah, but you're gonna give up, and yeah, it won't be a lot. But let's say it is that just that fifth. Mm-hmm. You're gonna give up one more piece, one more small piece for a quarterback that's temporary. Two more wins. Yeah, maybe three. Like Deshaun will win you a lot of games. Ten. Let's. I'm gonna be generous on the negative side and say. 10 games, you're competing for a playoff okay. because he is new. He's got to learn the system. He's been out for a year. You know, there will be some rust in that game. I think I think the difference between Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy G probably wins you at least two, if not three games. Yes, but just Brissett, I think you're seven and nine. Oh, really? Okay. I think so. I was going to say like unless Baltimore, six. Unless Baltimore is not good. Oh, you think six? Six. Actually, here's the thing. I, I think, I'll go 11 wins with Deshaun because I did forget there was that extra game. I was thinking 10 and six. Yeah. But all right, like 11 and six with Deshaun mm-hmm. being maybe a little negative about it because of the rust. And then, yeah, I'll go six, seven wins with Brissett. With, with Brissett. So you go nine and seven and get a playoff spot with, I mean, nine and eight and get a playoff spot maybe with Jimmy G. I did forget it was Brissett. But you don't want to do that. You, you just don't. No, do you know what? I do like Brissett. I did forget it was Brissett. Okay. I don't like him to win you anything. What about this, though? But I like what if, the guy. What if you traded for Jimmy G, gave up a fifth-round pick, played well, won nine or ten games, and made a playoff spot, and you were able to keep him healthy behind one of the best offensive lines in football, you don't think that maybe you then can turn around and trade Jimmy G for a little bit more than what you bought him for? Mm, he has to stay healthy. I know it's a risk, but hey, I'd rather win. I'd rather go nine and eight than seven and nine. Uh, it depends. I try and, well, where is my franchise right now? And I get it. Like Seven you're in, you're in the, especially when you go for a guy like Deshaun, you're in the win now mentality. Mm-hmm. But the 
the law has put a damper on that. Yeah. So if you can wait one more year, I kind of think you should. All right, fine. Well, we disagree on that. I think it makes total sense, but patience. whatever, whatever, patience, patience. whatever. All right, we're going to take our last quick break here before we get into our final couple of segments. And then our Tommy and Darwin, as always, stick with us, guys. Slow your roll. Moving on to our next topic. Jesse, I'll let you get it started, though. Okay. Because we're talking about something I'm glad you didn't we say never it. really talk about. No. No. And you know what? Silly us mm-hmm. for that. How did we not see this coming? How did we not see the most obvious uh, World Series favorite there's ever been? And no, it is not the Yankees because we already talked about their great regular season team. But there's just a hot team right now that we overlooked. Um, a team that is... Above 500 for the first time in years. Probably five. I, something like that. <laughs> but a team that has won 10 straight games for the first time since 1999. This is your 2014 uh, division winners, your AL East division winners. 2014. Remember that? Remember all the way back then? Yeah. A team that was so bad, they altered their stadium to have less seats. I've never seen that before. They made left field bigger to have less seats. That's bad. However, they should have seen this coming. They should have seen that they are going to be the greatest team ever assembled. Mm. A team so hot that they will not be stopped. All the way to the end. They will just ride that wave. Um, and they are doing it in what is clearly the best division in baseball. Mm. So uh, this team is clearly good. Clearly I'm talking about the Baltimore Orioles. Who is also, for some reason, my grandfather's favorite team. I have really? no idea why. Mm. No idea why. Also a team with one of the most beautiful stadiums in baseball. Which they yes. slightly ruined. But... A team that we like to make fun of, but clearly they didn't deserve it. Mm. Because this team is built different. They are. They're tough. They're ten, uh, they have tenacity. They're that good. Mm. And soon they will be, I mean, they're right outside the wild card looking in. Yes. So this is a real team. Jokes aside, mm-hmm. this is a decent team. A team that was probably in any other division in baseball except maybe the NL West because the Dodgers are there. Could really could realistically could be competing for that division. Ah, uh, you're being you're being uh, Houston. Come on, bro. Houston's really good. No, <laughs> because here come the Mariners. That's, That's a discussion true. for a different day. That is true. But like, this is so much fun. Mm. The or this was literally a joke a couple of weeks ago. Like, oh, the Orioles are kind of winning. Look, look at them go. They had a good June. Who could have thought? Oh, they won like three in a row. That's hilarious. Yeah, ten straight, right outside the wild card, looking in. 
Uh, as Toronto fires their manager. Yes. As the Red Sox shoot themselves in the foot. Repeated. Any chance they get. <laughs> so Whether it be injuries or defensive play or terrible base running. This is Baltimore's time, people. Get on the train. Because we were on the hype train for the Yankees last week, begrudgingly. But now, the train has stopped because the light, we have seen the light. It's headed, actually an Orioles train. It is headed to Baltimore, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, I'm going to shout out to my friend who's living in Philly now, but grew up in Baltimore and I met in college, Mike Navaria. I have made fun of you for years <laughs> for your terrible baseball team. I remember the one, t- the one year that you guys actually were pretty good. I made a bet with you on uh, who was going to win. I think it was the division, whether it would be the Orioles or the Sox that last year, that last year that the Orioles were good. And then they decided to throw out Gibaldo Jimenez in a key ah. key game against uh, was it the Jays I believe yeah yes um, in that wild card game didn't was it Britain they didn't use yeah didn't they, get a didn't get a throw pitch yeah, in that game yeah they decided to use Gibaldo Jimenez instead but that was the last time the Orioles were ever good I have made fun of you since they brought in Gibaldo Jimenez and it has not stopped since uh-huh. but you know what you might get the last laugh at me this year <laughs> because your team is actually really good. And jokes aside, I don't know how long this pitching can hold up. Though Watkins, I feel like the kid is looks kind of legit. I do like a lot of his stuff. Five innings, four hits, five punch outs. Uh, by the way, last night against the Cubs, he's got his ERA down to three point nine three. But this offense is legit. This lineup is truly legit. When you have Cedric Mullins at the top, Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, who is a top prospect, he's been really good now for two years. Anthony Santander. Provides that instant offense, big pop. And then Austin Hayes, though he's a little bit banged up, has hit pretty much all season long. And, you know, he brings more of the five-tool aspect, especially offensively. Average, a little bit of pop, RBIs, ability to go the other way, and situational hitting. He's hitting at 267 this year with 11 homers and 45 knocked in. This really is a really good offense. One of the better offenses in the American League and an offense that can go toe-to-toe in my opinion, with anybody in the AL East. So it really comes down to the pitching. And I want to come down now to the topic that they are two games out of the wild card. You clearly have a very young roster that you have a long runway with if things work out. Should Baltimore think about buying at the deadline or just standing pat and just saying maybe it's good enough to maybe get us a playoff spot and give our fan base something to cheer about for once? What do you think? And now when I say buy at the deadline, I obviously don't mean... Let's go out and, and get Juan Soto. Yeah. Clearly, that's crazy. But why not add a few arms here and there? What do you think? I was actually going to ask you that. Really? Um, man, hoping you could provide an answer that could make me give a concrete answer. I think yes. Okay. I'm leaning a little bit no. Okay. Because uh, not a soul saw this coming. No. And, you know, why should that be... You know, you should be where you are now, not where you thought you were going to be. But at the same time, when you are a team that shouldn't be where you are, mm. it's supposed to fall off, right? And yeah, the offense is pretty good. But well, like you have a lot. We're at the halfway point, well, more than halfway. But they had a bad start. They did. So, you know, you know, this is all right. They figured it out now. Now they're the team that they were supposed to be, that we just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will also say this. Because those Baltimore teams that were a thorn in the Red Sox side in the early 2010s, mm-hmm. um, because we were competing with the division, just being better than they probably should have been, we all we we had this pretty much the same discussion like every week, mm-hmm. like 
in a year or two, Baltimore's going to be gone. They're going to suck. Mm-hmm. But you always had the same comment then, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like this pitching is going to fall off. Yes. But it wouldn't. Mm. So maybe they know something that the Rays do. Maybe. And they just kind of know how to like work with what they got with pitching. Because back then, <clears> it was like it was Chris Tillman pitching way better than he should have. A mm. um, couple others. Uh, maybe they just know how to handle the pitching. I mean, Jimenez had a really good stretch, I think, when he originally got to Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. But, maybe. I mean, right now, it's it's Jordan Lyer, uh, Lyles, who we all know what he is hey, at age liar. 31. Um, <laughs> Spencer Watkins and... Who's the other one they've been using a lot? Oh, my God. See, this is what I mean. Oh, my God. Why can't you just add at least one a little bit more competent arm that you feel like you'll know what you'll get with just to just to give it? I, you know, they got to give this fan base something to be hyped about mm. now that they've gone through like a five-year rebuild. And now that you're on the precipice, I feel like you should at least do something. Mm. Again, I'm not saying go out and trade probably even anyone who's in your top 10 prospects. But. Why can't you add at least a more reliable fourth starter type guy at the deadline and maybe another reliever? Well, and think that your offense might be good enough to carry you most of the way that you need it to go. Because I think it could, as long as Hayes can stay healthy. Do you think they should just rent? You could like, do that. Like, you know, well, I just, do you think they should? Like, all right, we'll just get an arm that's going to go to free agency in a couple months anyway. That's so. not a bad idea. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to think of the... I'm, I'm drawing a blank a little bit on the guys that could be available. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, Robles is a free agent. Oh, uh, no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not what I'm... I'm talking about a little bit better than, than Hansel Robles, bro. But, I mean... Matt Barnes. I, Ian Kennedy for a bullpen arm. Drew Smiley for a starter. If you care, though Smiley is always, you know, how, how healthy can he stay? <laughs> but I, you, those are the kind of guys that I'm talking about. Hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I don't know. You just think you just think it's been a surprise. Maybe maybe you're good enough. Just see if, if this is real and you are good enough and just keep it going. Yeah, and then the off season. And then the off season. And then, Buy more at the off season. Yeah, spend your spend your money then. Okay. I see your point. I see. I your wouldn't. Point. No, here's the thing. I wouldn't be upset or shocked if they bought. Mm. Um, I mean, and obviously, we still have another I two think, weeks. I think that first week after the All Star break is going to tell us everything. Yes. Of what the Orioles are going to do. Because now you have your season. chance to cool off, right? Yeah. You played really hot. You got the momentum going. Now you're going to have three days off, All Star break, all that kind of stuff. Whole new season. If you can sort of pick up where you left off, yeah. you might change your tune on maybe maybe we can start thinking about adding. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I probably, in general, would agree with you there. If I was in the GM room right now, I, I would tell them that I'm looking to add, but I would probably be waiting until a little bit after the All-Star break. And I, I like your idea the first week. It is. A, oh, actually, yeah, they move the trade no matter, back to. No so. matter what, though, we're at least on the same page of mid-level. Yeah, kind of guy that you yeah. bring in, you know. Yeah, just just a solid, dependable, you know. That's some excitement. Fourth, third starter, <laughs> you know, sure. or, or or a nice seventh inning guy or a sixth inning. A Pavetta leader. type. A Nick Pavetta type. Not that you'll ever trade Pavetta. But no, but I'm just that saying, kind of guy. Yeah, back yes. of the rotation, but like pretty reliable if you if you have him in the right role. Exactly. Okay, I I, I see your point. I'm interested to hear 
if Mike has any comments on this. Mike, do you want to go big? Do you want Juan Soto? <laughs> Should they go get Marcus Stroman? How about how about how about we don't even care you're in a pennant race? Give us Max Scherzer, whatever it takes. <laughs> Here's half a billion. <laughs> uh, but truly, I am interested uh, from my friend there who grew up in Baltimore. How aggressive do you think your Orioles should be at the deadline? But no matter what, we all know this. Baltimore is headed to the World Series. Yep. I don't know if they'll yep. win, but they're headed there. Yep. <laughs> all right. And with that, Jesse, hey. you're going to talk tennis, tennis for a second. I like tennis. I know you I do. I enjoy me some tennis. Hey, Wimbledon just happened. I'm going to record this too. Wimbledon just happened. Mm. And... Shocker, Novak Djokovic won. Federer doesn't play. Nadal goes down with an injury. Oh, Federer wins. Or uh, Djokovic wins. Mm-hmm. And it's not really about Wimbledon. the fi- the The final match was exciting. Him and can't remember how to pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Crigio. Yeah, Crigio. Eh. Something like that. Something crazy. But it was en- it was entertaining. But th- I mostly just want to talk about Novak Djokovic himself mm. because. Next up is for the in tennis is the U.S. Open. Now he was already kicked out of Australia. We talked about that, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supposed to go to the Australian Open. They said yes. Then they said no. So he's like, "All right, I'm out." The U.S. Open is apparently, which is in New York, is not going to let him in. Now I thought America was over this a little more. I know some states aren't. Maybe it's a state thing. Maybe it's a New York thing. Um, but I thought we could let people in this country. I thought I didn't know we were bad as Canada right now. But he was asked in an interview. By the way, this is also a man that was going to parties after, talking to people in the tennis community, talking to the royal family after. Why do we have to play this role of like he's not vaccinated, he can't come in? Why do we have to still pretend this is a thing? This is so stupid. And he was asked. An interviewer asked him, "Is like, like, would you ever reconsider?" So you can come to the U.S. Open. He goes like, "No, I made my decision. And, like, I'm fine with it." He, and he was like so disappointed, like, "Oh, your, your legacy, and you have a chance to like tie the record." And he's like, "I don't care about any of that." Mm. And I respect the hell out of that answer. Mm. I have a chance for history. I have a chance to leave a real lasting legacy, and I don't give a damn. I will not change my morals. Yes, because I don't want to do. The thing that I feel like you shouldn't be able to tell me to do. Mm. And I I agree with that. Yes. Say what you will about whether or not you think the vaccine is safe and whether you should get it. If you're that type of person that says you should be forced to get it, we're never going to get along. <laughs> so that's what this is mostly about. And now I respect that moron, Djokovic. He is an idiot, but I, I can't help but respect his stance. And damn is he good in it. And damn is he good in hitting that neon ball. So, (laughs) whatever. So basically, Djokovic is a G. Yes, a real G. All right, I agree. I agree. Djokovic is the G. And one more tennis thing. Mm -hmm. To those people that said a healthy uh, Rafi Nadal was going to beat Djokovic, a healthy Rafi Nadal hasn't beat Djokovic on anything on other than clay in like ten years. So shut the hell up. Okay. Nadal only wins on clay. All right. <clears throat> With that, then, <laughs> we will get over to our last segment, but I will say one last time, Djokovic is a G. A capital G. Capital G. Um, <laughs> anyway, Boston, despite 
salvaging things in the New York series, winning two dramatic games at the end, has once again getting destroyed by the Tampa Bay Rays. Which begs the question to me, should we be concerned about this right now, or is it just like Tampa's just that team? Uh, I mean... Should I care? Should I feel good well, that we were able to push back against the AL East and get a split with the New York Yankees, who are the best team in baseball apparently right now? And just Not reali- anymore. And just realize <laughs> that maybe we just suck against Tampa Bay? I mean, we seem to suck against the AL East. I don't, I don't have the the records in front of me. By the way, the way they've done these last two games in Tampa, like what the hell's Verdugo doing getting picked off at third? The oh, defensive dude. errors, like what the hell was that? that was... Is Verdugo in Little League? I mean, that is that's a suicide squeeze situation. I will. I am mad at Cordero. Like, no matter where that pitch is, yes. you are taught you need to make contact with that ball. So that's one thing. Cordero messed that up. But yes. I saw from the moment that pitch was being thrown that Cordero was not committing. Yeah. So, like, why were you, like, halfway down the line? Mm-hmm. Like, you were the tying run late in game. You need to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. And I actually, when I watched that game, especially, with, like, with the errors and just throwing the ball around like oh it is gosh, Little League. The errors. That made me, I thought back to the uh, Cubs game. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this is just baseball all evening out. This is just baseball. Mm-hmm. This is just how it works. However, like... You should be concerned because we sim- we. I'm not concerned that like we're gonna fall off. We're we're we were we're that team we were in April. We just were hot for a little bit. No, it's just you you suck against the worst teams you could possibly suck against. Mm. You suck against Toronto. You suck against Tampa, and you're you suck against New York. But I really the reason I'm not that down bad about these last week is because that New York series was. Yeah, you split it. But it went really well, I feel. Mm. You sh- could have won that first game. Mm. You made some mistakes in the field, like Cordero made that awkward, like mm. there was that pop fly, whatever, whatever the hell that was. It was that ball where Arroyo had no idea where the ball was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I know that first game you won, you only won because Donaldson bobbled that ball. Mm-hmm. But that's baseball. Mm-hmm. You still had to yourselves capitalize on it, and you did. Mm. And then, like, you had, it was a hard-fought series. Game two wasn't that close, but it was a hard-fought series, and you competed against Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. You competed against... Um, Jameson Tyon. And... Nestor Cortez. Yes. You competed against all three of their top pitchers, and I like what I saw from that. Your starting pitching was not... Healthy. You, yeah. It wasn't healthy. So, so uh, that's the part of the New York series that didn't make me feel, like, happy about it and wondering, like... Am I supposed to be concerned with what's happening now in Tampa? Because at the end of the day, we split with New York, and our entire rotation is hurt. Yeah. I mean, you went into that series with the Yankees pitching uh, Winkowski. Uh, who's the other one? I mean, Pavetta started the second game. Pavetta started the rocked. other game, and he's the only and he's the only legitimate normal starter that you went into with. Bello started the first game of this. Next round with Tampa. So who started the other one? Um, did they do Crawford as a starter for? Oh, they the did. Game? They did. Cutter Crawford. I think that was one of the ones they won, though, wasn't it? I thought it was. Yeah. Not that a starter ever recorded. Yeah. So Cutter Crawford pitched the third game in which he went five innings, four hits, six punchouts, and allowed one run. Cutter Crawford has been pretty good. Yeah, but when it's bad, it's bad. Oh, I know, I know. But still, oh, Seabold. Seabold was the one that got absolutely destroyed. 
Oh, Connor Seabold, who I am not a fan of at all. Oh, no, I don't. You, I don't like. Wait, him no, at yeah, Pavetta was Pavetta was game four. Yes, with they with the game they still won. I mean, he got rocked, but they still won. But yeah. Seabold was the one that was the laugher, the one that was never yeah close. Um. So yeah, I want to talk about one more thing on the Tuesday game, right? So <clears throat> in the ninth inning in a one-run game against the Rays closer Brooks Raley, who's a lefty, he has. Jeter Downs, who came in because story, so like that's not on Cora to make a lineup like that. But he has Jeter Downs, and then he has Frenchie Cordero. He pinch hits for neither of them with JD Martinez. Mm. And now he says, "Well, JD, you know, he was a little sore, so he wasn't really available." But then JD plays the very next game, the whole game. Maybe he felt better. Why was JD not hitting for Cordero? Now, I get not hitting for Downs because actually, if you went and look at the roster now, he doesn't have another middle infielder. As soon as Story went down, Arroyo was already back to Worcester. Was Cordero at first at the time? Yeah, Cordero was at first. So he doesn't have another, but he doesn't have another middle infielder. But could he have, could he replace the first base at the time also? Uh, you can move Dahl back from third to first. Who goes third? JD. That's true. Who does go to third? Because they couldn't. Because uh, Ploiecki had COVID over the weekend, so he couldn't use him. He did. But someone else has played. Um, I mean, well, actually, did Connor Wong play in that game? Yeah, he did. Okay, I was going to say, you could put Wong behind the plate and move Vasquez to third. He's played third before. Yeah, but he had pinch hit for Duran earlier. Yeah, I think it was just kind of a mess. There's not really much you can do. Yeah, maybe he was just running out of guys at that point. But, I mean, say what you will about it. I don't 100% agree with it, and sometimes he goes against it. Core is that guy. It's like, if I give a guy a day off, like, I'm going to give him a day off. I'm, I know, but, man... One run game and what was a tough, tough loss. That was a really disastrous night for the Sox. It started great. It was a game pitched. you should have won. Sale started and he pitched well. Yeah, I know. Sale pitched really well, but then you had two guys go down with injury. Now, it seems like maybe they will avoid uh, some of the bigger issues here uh, because both guys negative on the x-rays. But at the time, I had the feeling of a real disastrous night. I thought that JD should have hit for Cordero in that situation. Mm. I and mean, like, I get, get that. It's just, yeah. I guess what do you do with our, the feeling situation after that, which might have played a, a big role. But I would be more willing to like really try and do a patchwork first baseman than a middle infielder. So that's why you don't hit for Jeter Downs in that situation. Jeter Downs can play first. Teach him first base. Don't. By the way, is Frenchie Cordero coming back down to earth? It seems like he is. I mean, it's funny. About a week ago, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe they don't need a first baseman. Could Cordero be good enough? And now it seems like it's coming back down to earth. <laughs> We might still need a first baseman. Like I, I was never that hype about it. I'm like, hey, if he's gonna hit 240, mm. a couple home runs, not a liability in the field, mm. I'd be okay with that. And for the most part, that's what I've gotten. Mm. But like, he's not, he's not gonna. Because uh, yeah, we wait a saw- minute, no. So Pawlowski hadn't played, so they were holding three catchers at the time for whatever reason. I, I thought he. Was, well, I'm pretty sure Pawlowski had COVID. Oh, he did? I thought he did. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. Yeah, I think that's the only reason Connor, uh, Wong, Connor was Wong was called up. So maybe he just didn't have enough guys at this point. I, I think that's that's probably what it came down to. Maybe. Because, like, I mean, even if you're sore, I don't know exactly where the soreness was, mm-hmm. but, like, you figured he can at least swing a bat. Exactly. You know, maybe you don't want him running, but I don't know. Right, if he can make it a first, <clears throat> we'll pinch run for you. I don't know. I think, I think he still should have hit, and you just figured it out after that. Are you sure? I'm sure somebody on that field has played first base at some point. Yeah. That's why I said last night. Make Jeter Downs your first baseman. Just me. Anyone that comes in, like, 
Give him first But they didn't have a middle infielder to replace Jones at second. Oh. That's that's why JD can't hit for downs. Right. JD right. could only have hit for Frenchie. JD's been here how long and we haven't taught him first base yet? <laughs> what are we doing? I don't know, man. Everyone needs to learn first base. I don't know. Apparently. I'm learning first base after I this. still think I still think they should have had JD hit and just figured it out after that. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I'm man. usually a Cora fan, but I still think he whiffed on that one. But anyway, with that, we are getting ready to wrap this up. Okay. So, Jesse, you're going to take the lead on both of these. Oh, good. Yes. Sure, I love So, that. first off, with our Tommy report, uh, let's yeah, go. Nothing happened. <laughs> uh, Gronk, I'll give you something anyway. Gronk retired and said even if Brady came calling, he wouldn't go yeah, back to football. Yes. He officially he officially did say that. Yes. And I actually, I did think about making this about Gronk. Because Gronk also was in the city of Boston over the weekend. Mm. Um, and when he made his re- retirement announcement, it was all about the Bucks, mm. And he got asked, like, why didn't you mention the Patriots? And, like, I wasn't offended that he left out the Patriots. I know there was, like, that Brady controversy. He didn't talk about the Patriots. Blah, 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 blah. But, like, that was slightly, slightly different. And Gronk put it as how I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Gronk's like, I retired and said bye to you guys two years ago. Yes. And I was like, no, that's literally how I saw it. Mm. And I was like, maybe I was just being a little optimistic. But Gronk said that. And I was like, okay. Okay. Because he, he said goodbye. He even said, it's like, He's like, I'm in the city right now. I love this city. I love New England, mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of what Tom Brady said. I'm never going back there after that place. Um, but he's just like, yeah, I, I said goodbye two years ago, mm. and I don't feel I need to do that again. And you know what, Gronk? No, you don't. Mm. You're actually defending Gronk. Yes. Oh, okay. Brian's not here. I can defend Gronk. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right. So that's our Tommy report. And, yes. All right. Gronk officially retired. That has been your weekly Tommy update. <laughs> And said that even if Brady calls him, he's not coming back. Yes. All right. So, get it ready. Hold on. I'm getting it ready. We're getting there. We have... You know, it's funny that oh, so many so many weeks, it seems like we're not going to have a Darwin, and then we pull out what is a really good one. This is a few weeks old at this point. It I want to get the figures correct also. But still. There it is. And also, it seems like it's come out, though, like week by week, like new stuff. Oh, a little bit. Like it's been dragged out. A wee bit. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is Vince, Vince McMahon. McMahon. We're talking wrestling. WWE. Congrats to Vince McMahon. Yes. Very successful. Very good businessman. Why? I mean, if you haven't heard at this point, it's weeks old. But he, and here's, here's the official numbers. Vince McMahon has allegedly, they still put allegedly by it because it's not set in stone yet, blah, blah, blah. He allegedly paid $12 million to four women over the past 16 years to keep quiet about alleged sexual misconduct. So, and apparently uh, one of them had a kid, I think. Again, that's also alleged. <laughs> but I don't know. So here's the thing. He spent 16 years spending $12 million to hush things up. And I can't believe it lasted 16 years. That is amazing, right? In today's I mean, day and age, that's that, that was able to last 16 years? Well, I mean, doing some quick math, $12 million amongst four people, that's $3 million each. Mm-hmm. Like, that'll keep me quiet. <laughs> I mean, it depends on, I guess, what it's about. But, like, I can, no, I'm not going down that road. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Like, if it's, like, government stuff, and it's like, here's $3 million, keep quiet. I'll be like, sure, pocket it, and then I'm immediately going to run to the news. Mm. That I won't keep quiet. But, like, if you just, like, did me dirty personally, and just, like, here's $3 million. Now, granted, this is not doing them dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is sexual misconduct. Mm. So, 
not quite the same thing. Mm. But hey, Vince, you're not a great guy. And here's the thing. Everything I knew, I don't like WWE. I don't but you also just now have flushed $12 million down the drain. Yeah. Like, why don't you just say... It came out eventually anyway. Yeah. Which, like, didn't you feel like it always is? It, I mean, it you're always basically, does. You're basically paying well, millions of dollars to kick the can down the road. Here's the thing about that, though. We say it. It always comes... It's not recording anymore. Okay. It always comes out eventually, but everything that doesn't come out eventually... We just have no idea. So we sit there and say it all comes out eventually, but we don't know. We don't know it's actually... There could be a fifth women. There could be way more women with way more money that Vince has assaulted. Mm. Um, but I think There that, probably is but I think, four in 16 years. Get out of here. <laughs> after the fourth one, he's just like, no, I think I'm going to change my ways. Well, you know, after, yeah, right. after another three million, maybe he was like, all right, I got to change. I gotta stop. Maybe, but I don't know. After you feel like you get away with it for 16 years, you maybe like, you know what? I'm gonna do it again. But financially, he's not getting away with it. He's pretty okay, <laughs> I'm sure. But it's still funny to me that now he's flushed 12 million dollars down the drain. And you know what? He's still got a hell of a lot more. <laughs> Which means there's probably a whole bunch. Uh, there's. Have there been any consequences yet? Has he lost? He, I haven't been following it that much. I think he has stepped down. From okay. On the, being the chair of the WWE. Okay. I thought he had. I thought I had heard that that had happened. Yes. Which, by the way, at one point, his wife was even, like, in charge. But I think that's just because, like, he was, like, going through something at the time. Okay. Where, like, he had to step away. Okay. But, like, good for you, wife. But you, you, you can get it all now. Probably. It's going to be yours. Probably. In the divorce. Probably. But anyway, this week's Darwin Award winner, congratulations to Vince McMahon for 16 years of kicking the can down the road. And it all pans out that it's all going to come out eventually anyway. Mm. But congrats, yeah. McMahon. You lost your job pretty much, too. Got to step down yeah. from what you created. He is old, though. He is. He is. He's lived a, he's lived a long life of sexual assault. And millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, that has been it this week for Slow Your Roll. Um, you know, hope that the Sox can finally get a win against the Rays. But it feels like the first time all season. I swear to God. When was the last time they beat Tampa? Like the beginning of the year, probably? Who's pitching tonight? Uh, let me take a look. Right, you don't have to take your phone. No, I have to. I have to now. You asked. Mm. Tonight it is. Oh, it's Cutter. Cutter Crawford. Oh. Against Rasmussen. Well, we're going to win tonight, then. Uh, or we're going to get blown out. <laughs> or, we'll know or, in the first inning. Or or we're not going to have to worry about defensive plays and, and uh, base running gaps because it's going to be 13 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> You'll know after the first batter. Probably. Probably. All right. So with that, we are getting ready to uh, – we're, we're finishing this up right here. By the way, next week will be the first half wrap-up special of the MLB season since by then it will be the All-Star break. Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. So that is what we are doing next week to wrap up the first half of the MLB season with Dominic Lorenzano, Jesse Caulfield. Sorry for hitting your mic, Punching Jesse. my mic. Have a great rest of your week.